You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we travel back to the college ranks and sit down with the assistant AD for marketing and fan engagement at Auburn University, Mr. Dan Heck. Heck oversees and directs the athletic department's marketing and promotional plans for all 21 sports at Auburn and has served the university since 2016. Dan shares some great ideas and concepts in this episode that can be used at the high school level easily. On a side note, since our conversation with Dan, he has accepted a new role at the University of Alabama, where he will serve as the Associate Athletics Director for Strategic Marketing. Let's settle in and get to know Mr. Dan Heck. Dan, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. Today, we travel back to the Plains for another conversation with an Auburn athletic administrator. So, hey, Dan, we're so glad to have you joining us today. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Excited to uh, get to know you all and uh, talk a little bit about something we're all passionate about, and that's uh, sports administration. And uh, really blessed to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us for our listeners. Dan Heck serves as the assistant AD for marketing and fan engagement at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. Dan oversees and directs the athletic department's marketing and promotional plans for all 21 sports there at Auburn. He also serves as the point of contact for football and men's basketball, their marketing efforts, in addition to serving as a liaison for the athletic department's team shop and with the Auburn University trademark licensing office. Uh, but we'll stop right there. Dan does a lot of things down there. We'll let him uh, tell us a little bit more about his career in athletics. I've heard uh, bounced around a little bit before Auburn. So we look forward to hearing a little bit about your travel. And we, we like to call this the back of the baseball card bio. So, Dan, tell us what the back of your baseball card would look like. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I think really uh, one of the things that I think is pretty unique about my story and something that I pride myself on is really from – even a toddler growing up, I've always lived in a college town. So I grew up running around in the sidelines of a division two, actually now, now it's a division two football powerhouse, uh, but Ferris state university in big rapids, Michigan is actually my hometown. And so uh, I grew up running around in the sidelines at top Taggart field. Uh, my grandpa was uh, the president of the gridiron club, uh, ran the chain gang and helped out with the PA announcing for local high school games. So never realized 30 years later that I'd be in this role behind the scenes with sports, but it's really, it's really kind of cool how thing, how everything plays out throughout your life. So that really, you know, I think from a young age sparked that passion and that interest of wanting to be involved with sports behind the scenes of, you know, what does that person do? Why is that person, you know, having a, a microphone? What, like, why are they, you know, running the clock? So they always had an interest from an early age of the behind the scenes of sports so kind of fast forward to uh, to college and my, you know, postgraduate days, didn't really know what I wanted to do until I got to Central Michigan University. And I think the hands-on experience where we all have that first opportunity to be an intern or a graduate assistant, that really was the foundation of saying, hey, this is something that I can really do for a living. This is something that is a possible career path for me. And so really uh, at the mid-major level at Central Michigan, that's really, that was a great place for me to be able to kind of uh, pick up uh, pick up at a blue collar location, you know, at the mid-major level, a lot different than the SEC. 
in terms of dollar signs and the amount of money in the bank account, but still the same goals in terms of of uh, of helping young men and women, uh, college athletes achieve their goals to to get a degree, and uh, especially on the fan engagement side, still the same goals with you know maximizing attendance and revenue, just not as big of stadiums as as it is in the SEC. Uh, from Central Michigan University, had the opportunity to really my first full time gig in the industry was out at Arizona. Uh, so from 2012 to 2016, my first opportunity in the Power Five was out at the U of A and some of the best people in the industry. And, and fast forward to now, uh, my in-state rival here in the SEC, the Iron Bowl, right up the road, uh, Mr. Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, was my boss at Arizona for those four years. And so he and I actually uh, are definitely still friends today, um, 364 days of the year, 363 days of the year, the other two days of the year. Uh, we see each other before the game, and then we don't talk to each other afterwards. Uh, no, but it's uh, it's a fun story to be able to stay in touch with him, and just knowing that time at Arizona was really instrumental for me to be where I'm at now at Auburn. Um, having that uh, Power Five experience with with all of our sports, not just football and men's basketball, but really everything from women's basketball to to golf to baseball, softball, powerhouse, women's basketball, and being able to be around some really talented coaches, some of the best coaches in the country. To be able to be a part of some incredible atmospheres in in the stadiums and the arenas, both at Arizona and Auburn, and, and just to really where I'm I'm at now, I'm very passionate about the industry overall, not just marketing and promotions, but just the overall enterprise of college athletics. And yeah, there's been a lot of changes. There's a lot going on right now in our industry, but you know, really the the value of college athletics with our athletes and for our fans and our donors who look forward to coming out to our venues. I think there's something so special about college athletics and I love being a part of the industry and, you know, whatever, wherever that takes me from here, uh, whether that's an executive associate AD or AD down the line, that's really the path that I'm on is to, to really um, stay in the industry and, and help young people uh, create great experiences and help our fans. So love what I do and blessed to be here. I tell you what, I, had I known that you had a connection to Ferris State, I'm originally from Valdosta, and so Valdosta State and, and Ferris have butted heads here recently. I, I don't right. know if we, I don't know if we would have taken this call had I known that. But anyway, I, I digress. Now, what does the assistant AD for marketing and fan engagement actually mean? I know that we discussed off the call before we got right. started some of the stuff that you do, but kind of take us through that day to day. What does it look like for you? Yeah, really. So from where I sit, you know, a lot of my day to day is is focused on football and men's basketball revenue generation. But but really, I try to help all of our our sports. So we we have a, a, a marketing and fan engagement team here of of uh, five individuals on our staff, full time staff and graduate assistants. And we cover all of our 21 sports. So, again, whether it's ticketed or non ticketed sport, we all know that, you know, whether you're you know playing soccer or tennis or women's basketball, it, it feels a lot better to play in front of a sold out environment, to play in front of uh, the stands that are packed with the Auburn family. So everybody on our staff has a certain sport responsibility. Um, and so in my role, I, I, I really want to help our staff uh, grow and serve those sports as best as they can. So if I can help our staff with removing any obstacles or helping them uh, with something that they're working on with a marketing plan for another sport i'm here to help them so at the end of the day i'm overseeing the staff and and helping our staff uh with their marketing plans to to make sure that all of our sports um have a a great atmosphere and that the stands are full so um in that role there's a lot a lot of meetings there's a lot of uh, mentoring a lot of uh, planning that goes into these marketing plans 
and then following through and executing them to make sure that we're putting on a good show, uh, memorable experiences for our fans and our athletes, and uh, really getting creative sometimes on ticket sales packages. So we, we collaborate a lot, not just in our marketing team, but with the Auburn Ticket Office, Tigers Unlimited, uh, total team effort, very collaborative. Um, all of our external team uh, would be communication, social media, our video crew, and then on game day, our event management team. Uh, it really takes a village. So while I'm over the marketing staff, we we really collaborate with you know a wide variety of people to uh, put on these events and make sure that our stands are full and that everybody has a good experience. So uh, from that end of things, really um, accountable with that title, just to be able to make sure that our specific marketing area is doing what we need to do to support our coaches and our teams. And then um, really with that role, especially with the with the revenue and the amount of, I guess, pressure involved in football and men's basketball, um, taking on the day-to-day of both of those sports is uh, something that right now is uh, something I'm, I pride myself in and really enjoy it. That's good. Dan, can, can I drill down on that a little bit? You mentioned something there a couple times, a little phrase. You said marketing plan. For us high school guys who, you know, we're doing all kinds of stuff. A lot of it's outside of athletics. Um, and maybe even small college folks who, who may be listening who don't have resources that m- maybe you have there at Auburn or, or, you know, a lot of Power Fives have probably. Can you tick off maybe some of the components to what a marketing plan really is? What, what does that consist of? Yeah, sure. So for us, you know, I think the, 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 the biggest thing is that regardless of the size of your school or your institution – it's really making sure that, uh, you know, you know who your fans are. That's what it starts with is uh, who, who are you targeting to be potential attendees at your event? Uh, is it, uh, you know, local elementary school down the street? Is it, um, is it a, you know, local church group? And so really who are the dem- target demographics of, of possible fans at your game? And, and so the marketing plan is uh, what are the strategies of how we're going to reach those fans? How can we, uh, make people aware of our sport, just the program in general. And then once the season begins, uh, wanting to make people aware of uh, the dates and the times of those events. And then, you know, based off of the amount of resources that you have, a lot of times it's going to be coming down to uh, human resources, let alone budget. Can you put on a, uh, can you even have the amount of people or the staff to go out and reach these people? But is there something creative you can do to draw people in the door? So, a lot of our marketing plans come up with uh, creative ideas to incentivize fans to uh, come out to games, creative ways to uh, spread the news on when events are happening. So that'll outline different advertising mediums, different ways to get active and visible in the community. How are you getting your coaches out there? Um, marketing plan, I think that's honestly sometimes even more of a dated word now. And we, we actually treat all of our sports as an external plan. So brings in your video plan, your social media plan. So just overall, how is the anybody outside of the program externally viewing your sport? Uh, so it tends to be more based off of the season, but it can be year round now too, where we're putting together plans on, you know, how, how can our fans follow Auburn basketball or Auburn golf throughout the year? Um, so from our world, a lot of it is attendant, tends to be attendance based and driving attendance and revenue but it really can be more just how can we spread the word about following? How can you connect with our program? Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, th- uh, thanks for helping us out with that. Cause that's definitely a, a kind of a foreign phrase to most of us. 
Now, on those same lines, and, and to kind of piggyback on Don's question, how would you advise a high school athletic director on incorporating the responsibilities you have with the marketing and fan engagement when the high school athletic office usually consists of one, two, maybe a maximum four people uh, total? Once again, lots of different responsibilities for those people. How would you advise them on getting fans engaged and, and marketing their brand and their athletic department? Yeah, I think for that's a great question. I think uh, people are our biggest asset. I think especially in a small college town or some some of these smaller communities, word of mouth marketing is really the most powerful avenue. Uh, so in this day and age, sometimes that might be social media. So uh, whether it's your 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 own athletes or the parents of your athletes that uh, are friends with uh, people in the community of of getting the parents of your of your teams posting about when upcoming events are happening and just making sure that uh everybody that is either a parent of of a parent or guardian of an athlete or a coach is uh routinely using their personal social media account to uh make their friends aware of when games are happening and uh, i think you know from our whether you're a high school athlete or a college athlete you know people will support people that they have a relationship with so they may not even like sports, but they, you know, they, they know Johnny from church or they, you know, went to elementary school with him and they want to, you know, support him now that he's starting as point guard on the basketball team. So um, just uh, using your own personal network uh, is sometimes the the easiest way to start. From there, it might be, you know, your your friends and your neighbors uh, from from church and just, you know, beating the bush old school. I mean, honestly, there are some strategies we call it the, the technical term would be grassroots marketing. Uh, but some of our most effective ways of spreading the word about upcoming events are going out on campus with, with flyers to be on the concourse with our basketball team. Like you got a seven foot guy standing in the middle of campus. That's going to stand out to let somebody know that there's a basketball game. And it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, this, this day and age, people are really on this phone more than ever. So sometimes even handing a flyer out to somebody, or meeting somebody and talking to somebody and having a conversation is more memorable and cuts through the clutter of the phone more than anything else. So using the relationships that you already have with people in the community to, to just spread the word is, is a great place to start. That's good. Yeah. I, I like that. You're going to retrofit it. I mean, you know, it's like going, going, going backwards and, and it working uh, because they're not drowning in, in paper like maybe they were before, you know, but you can get right. lost on the phone. And then I think uh, in the same vein though, when it it frustrates me when we are researching, you know, people that we want to talk to, or maybe schools that that we want to talk to, and there is no social media presence at all. Like the the ability to extend your reach just with not a, an unbelievable amount of effort, right? I think right. is 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 really important. Now we've spoken to several female ads this year about the importance of Title IX uh, that was passed fifty years ago. You recently reposted and commented on what you called six, six giants in the Central Michigan Athletic Department that you learned from. Talk about what you learned from these ladies and maybe how Title IX has impacted your journey in athletic administration through them. Yeah, really good question there. So Central Michigan University, you know, not even just at Central Michigan, but the national landscape just was uh, really a, a pipeline and a feeder for women's athletics. So the 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 females that and the women that I I really will always reflect on who had an impact in my career were were Margot, Coach Margot, um, Coach Coach G, 
we had Coach Freeze and um, Marcy Weston. Marcy Weston was probably the person I worked with the closest at, on the administrative team at Central Michigan. She was our senior women's administrator. And also before her time at Central Michigan, she was, uh, I believe, the head college uh, referee or she was she refed multiple uh, NCAA Final Fours throughout the 1980s and 90s before she moved over to athletics. I think uh, the biggest thing that they taught me was just the fact that uh, the fact that college athletics, um, the fact that, you know, as athletes, regardless of men's or male or female or women's athletics, um, that there's talent there. Like there are some talented athletes um, that have come up through the female ranks. And um, this isn't um, this isn't the 1970s anymore. Like we've made a lot of strides but we're not there yet. I think the biggest thing is just continue to find ways to open up doors for future athletes and current athletes. And um, I always appreciated how Marcy made sure that, you know, the current athletes that were on our rosters were uh, having the the same seat at the table as the male athletes were having across the board. Is that going to be the same with football uh, in the equation? Not always, but um, at least making sure that there is equality and that there's representation across the board even with a marketing campaign, for example, if, if you've got um, marketing campaign featuring multiple sports, you know, why would you have a campaign where it's, it's just the male sports on a poster, for example, or a graphic? If you're featuring all of your sports, do we have equal representation of male and female athletes? And just, um, just the value there of making sure that, you know, women have a seat at the table um, with everything. I think the biggest thing um, that uh, we're looking at right now is just, um, we've come so far, I feel like, in college athletics, but we're not there yet. There's still so much more that we can do. And actually, uh, at the time of recording this, this upcoming weekend, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary of Title IX at our football game this this weekend. And, you know, 50 years ago, who would have ever thought that at a college football game or an SEC football game that there would be a Title IX celebration at a, at a football game? And uh, you're going to have football student-athletes warming up in a title nine 50th anniversary t-shirt for example um and so just i think it's really symbolic and really um really cool just how across the board it's a celebration of of just athletics overall and especially how far we've come but um another signif another signal and symbol of just you know we do we do have to keep this on the forefront of what we do we haven't arrived yet that's really cool good idea with the uh, t-shirts um and, and give it on to everyone so everyone recognizes that that significance yeah. um you know we'll be watching we want to make sure y'all get them off the field so you're coaching and yelling at them uh right so uh yeah not, that was not, a, not to pick on a, anyone and i think we all have our bad moments I, I i think i'm a big fan of coach beamer but uh we all have our, our our moments where we are not at our best right so that was a tough deal i think uh in, in the marketing world within the sec probably amongst you know the ad's like High school ads, we're a very close knit community amongst the SEC marketers, and right. and and I, I really wasn't even thinking about the coaching side of things. I was really feeling more for for my colleagues who were the ones on the field um, executing that. And and we've all been there when there's a large presentation and there's hundreds of people on the field. It's not as easy as it looks to move 200 people within a short amount of time, and so um, that time can easily, uh, whether it's media timeout or quarter break, that can easily go fast. And before you know it, uh, you know, you've got a center's hand on the ball and, you know, the white hat's ready to go. And you've got still 200 people to move off the field. And 
my immediate feeling was feeling uh, for the marketing team at South Carolina and knowing that, um, you know, if anything, you know, who knows if, if <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of a, of a coach, plenty of coaches screaming on a headset. So that even could have been coach Beamer screaming at the marketing person because they know that the marketing people are responsible for those kinds of recognition. So that's another angle that I don't think a lot of people thought about with that is just, you know, yelling at the the staff involved with that recognition, not just at the athletes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it, it all worked out good, I think. And, and it happens. Uh, yep. Yeah, it does. Right. We all have bad days and, um, you're right. Getting 275 people off the uh, off the field. I'm not sure exactly what y'all are going to do this weekend, and obviously this will have, be played afterwards. So uh, there'll be some folks maybe rewind and and go back and see how it turned out at Auburn that day. So, uh, but good luck. Uh, good luck with that. It's 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 something we can all learn from. I know I've been presented with an opportunity to recognize a large group of people, and my first thought from an event management was, man, that's a lot of people to put on a field that can do something crazy. Um, so, but, but looking back last week and looking at what you're going to do, it's about how you get them on, how you get them off logistically. And, but also in the middle of that, you still want to give them the recognition. So, uh, that, right. uh, you know, my hat's off to y'all for what you're doing this week. So, Hey, speaking of others and recognizing others, one thing we saw you promoted on your social media was, um, the Penn state section student section leader that uh, you just recently played Penn State uh, big deal because Auburn and not or I, I don't even know what other SEC schools have hosted a big 10 team on the home and home I know that was a big deal for Auburn and Penn State the last couple of years there I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and, and guess that Auburn has a similar student section leader uh, don't really know that in in the in the in the photographs you were promoting the Penn State guy who was getting a lot of pub. And obviously he plays a big role in their student section and made the trip to Auburn there. Can you talk about the student section leaders, maybe how y'all select them, how you communicate with them, uh, the training they receive, any accountability evaluation they get? Basically what makes a successful student section leader program? I know every high school athletic director deals with students who are trying to be cute and funny and, uh, a lot of times cross the line and we're always worried about how to manage those folks, how we get them on board and get them doing the things we want to do. Uh, so, so how do y'all do that at the collegiate level? Yeah. So we, uh, the, the jungle, uh, the jungle has gotten a lot of publicity in recent years for basketball and, and really the jungle started in, in Auburn arena originally. Now Neville arena is the name of our basketball arena. And, the jungle has now uh, become the official student section of all of our teams. So the jungle is the jungle for football, for, for tennis, for soccer. And so uh, it, it, you know, like a lot of student sections, I think the, the cool part about a lot of student sections is it starts out kind of raw, starts out kind of organic, just a few kids that want to get involved. And, and now it's actually a structured system where there's a student organization, there's uh, a president, there's a vice president, and there's an executive team where it's, it's a student involvement opportunity for students to take ownership of of uh, not just leading the student section, but we've got you know certain students that are really passionate about volleyball, so they're going to be our our you know vice president of volleyball marketing, for example, or they're really passionate about social media, or they have some graphic design skills, so their their talents and skill sets are in graphic design. So it's really finding 
those kids that want to volunteer to, you know, dedicate their time and their effort to the student section using the skill sets that best serve that that opportunity. So uh, in my role currently and then our marketing staff, we serve as uh, staff advisors. So that entails uh, a wide variety of different things, but a lot of it is uh, really kind of sitting in on the weekly meeting. And, you know, we, we don't want to be uh, advisors that are, you know, running the show. Uh, you know, just the fact that they're there is great for us because they're volunteering their own time. They want to be there to support our teams. It's not like we're making them be there. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work if the marketing staff was, you know, forcing students to be the student section leaders. So we kind of stay out of the way and listen in on their conversation. And we're just there to guide them if there's something that definitely as to your point, if there's something that's getting off track or something that doesn't, you know, really sound like, you know, at Auburn, we have a set of values that's called the Auburn Creed that's built in. And so if something doesn't fall within what we would call the Auburn Creed, regardless of what your religious views are or what you believe is right or wrong, at the university, we have an Auburn Creed that we can fall back on and say, hey, y'all, that what you're talking about is I appreciate the, you know, the energy and the enthusiasm, but that doesn't sound like something that would fall within the Auburn Creed. That's not something that we would want to be known for. So we sit in on those meetings and and while we don't, you know, dictate the flow of the meetings, we don't want to lead or have a vote on anything they're talking about. We will step in if there's something that doesn't sound right. But, you know, very rarely do we have to do that. I think uh, probably the biggest thing that we might have to step in on is social media. Um, we do want them to be uh, running their own social media accounts. So the, the AU Jungle social media account are student ran and student operated. And and they, they really should be. If they were, you know, athletics department or university official accounts, it wouldn't be as as fun or as powerful. And, you know, doesn't, we just want to make sure that, you know, it's not just another mouthpiece or extension of the athletics department. It's really their their voice. So there have been a few times on social media where things have kind of blurred the lines a little bit and we've stepped on that. But I think the biggest thing is just knowing that um, students want to know that you're there for them. So whether that's dedicating your time, uh, speaking at a, at a meeting or, you know, being there to answer a question over email, just being accessible, I think, is the key to to those students. And if, it, if it's not you, maybe someone from, you know, a coaching staff that can speak to the group. Um, we, we try to have at least one one practice or or one dedicated time where the leadership is having a pizza party or can meet the team after practice um, to kind of bridge the gaps. So I think it's also important for the athletes that are competing on the floor or in the arenas and the stadiums to know who their classmates are that support them. Um, it's, you know, our coaches really think and our athletes are very grateful for any support they get, but to put a face to the name of these students is really important to really kind of build that unity. And we, you know, we talk a lot about the Auburn family. So who is the family that's off the court supporting them? So again, building those relationships and making things, um, you know, fun and accessible. Um, I think high school probably is the same, but students that are 18 to 22 years old right now, especially, can I put it on TikTok? Can I put it on Instagram? Is my, is this experience that I'm doing right now worthy enough to be in my TikTok account or Instagram account? Um, So whether that's, you know, being at that practice or being able to come out to shoot three pointers uh, with, you know, Jabari or, you know, having lunch with Coach Pearl, you know, not everybody in the student body gets to do that. So sometimes it's not even like a shirt giveaway or a trinket or a shaker. It's, you know, some of those experiences that are unique to, um, you know, the student body. So that's really what we're in the business for is just providing those cool experiences that make the, the college experience 
really unique and memorable. Yeah, I think that's really that's really good because we've already touched on it once. We're, we'll probably circle back to it again before we're done. But a lot of what you said right there is stuff that a high school could do, Absolutely. right? Yes. Like, like that's uh, you know you're you're pulling in a, a group of kids that are content creators anyway, right? They have been their whole lives, right. and so you say off the top, like like Josh said, you know we've got you know certain what what I would call athletic department staff. Well, probably max in a lot of schools is two people. Right. That the AD may think I only have two people. No, you don't. You, you've got. I mean, there's two thousand kids in your school. Like mm-hmm. you, you've got kids, and everything that you said right there is stuff that that they could do, uh, from the content creation to the experience aspect of it, which I think is cool. And that's something that I don't think anybody does. That's all. That's all really good stuff. Yeah, I, I echo Don. I echo what you said because I mean, one of the first things you said there, Dan, and I wrote down was create an organization, give it value. Uh, and, and the experience creates the value for the kids and the more value it has. But you didn't say, hey, you're going to let them score a touchdown. You didn't say, hey, they get to call a play or anything to devalue or lower the product on the field. You Everything you said could be done without really a lot of effort on the coach or the players out, out there doing the job. You're not going to lose a game because you uh, you, you gave the, the jungle – a chance to hang out with a team, right? I mean, right. everything you did, everything you said right there, those committees per sport, man, that's gold. That That's really good stuff. And uh, I have a note here to create a leadership organization plan. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we talked to you today because that this uh, that, that answer right there is going to help me do that. So hey, I'm going to give one more plug for the jungle. And um, since the jungle is, is outside of the athletics department, they were able to do this within NCAA rules. But the Jungle Student Section actually last week just launched a high school student section of the week program. So if you go to the AU Jungle on Twitter and Instagram, they're every week accepting nominations for your high school student sections to send in your videos, send in your pictures on why you think your high school should be uh, the student section of the week. So uh, we think uh, and they think that the Jungle thinks that, you know, for students that are looking to come to Auburn University uh, as you know, the student body, it's, you know, we're, our, our coaches recruit on the court. We've got five-star recruits visiting all the time. So our jungle student section leaders think that maybe this is an admissions recruitment advantage to be recruiting into the jungle. So who's the next president of the jungle? Maybe it's in your high school. So uh, I think that was really smart of them to come up with that idea. That was all their idea and something they voted on and something that I think, I think last week, um, they already announced the first winner and uh, it's probably going to be, uh, front news, uh, you know, at the local newspaper in that hometown that that high school won the jungle student section of the week. So really good win-win situation all around for the local high school. And then for any of those students that are coming to Auburn, they already feel like they've got a connection with the jungle when they get to campus. So uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, that's a, I, I just pulled up Twitter over here while you were answering and, uh, it's September 19th for folks who want to reference back to what they did. Is it Arab or I don't know how to say that high school. Honestly, I don't know either. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, a, since I'm not an Alabama native Alabamian. Right. But yeah, that was, yeah, there the you go. Moment. So if you're, if you're interested in getting your student section on there, September 19th was the tweet I found. Uh, there's probably more there that I just didn't have time to scroll for it yet. So there it is. Um, Hey, staying with your Auburn, I know you said you weren't native Auburn, native Alabama, but you've been there a while. Um, and I know you primarily focus on 
bas- men's basketball and football. But, you know, one of my favorite guys, and, I, and I'd be almost remiss not to ask an Auburn guy this, one of my favorite guys in all of college sports, and I think he's maybe the best person in college baseball, is Coach Butch Thompson. Uh, I had the opportunity to hang out with him. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a baseball guy um, from from my previous experience or, or my sports history. Um, you know, and how I've been able to connect with him and, and have a couple conversations and just love being around him, love listening to anything he's he's on there. So uh, I know you spent some time around uh, Coach Thompson and the Auburn baseball program there. What leadership lessons have you learned from Coach Thompson that have helped you as an athletic administrator? Oh, yeah, um, that's that's a good one. So two weeks ago, we had a department wide staff meeting and and uh, just a little bit behind the scenes. I won't get into what they talked about, but because um, that's closed doors. But Butch Thompson and Bruce Pearl, imagine those two in front of the room uh, giving the athletics department a pep talk and, um, you know, completely different styles. Bruce Pearl is the rah-rah guy, but but Butch um, commanded the attention of the room almost as much, if not more, than Bruce Pearl with just the words and the knowledge and the wisdom that he gives and just the way that he delivers. Um, I think for for Butch, it's the passion and just wearing – he wears his heart on his sleeve with everything that he does. And uh, I think there's a humility, but also just this – hunger inside of him where that humility never mistake that for you know for uh not going all in on something because he's the most hungry and competitive coach one of the most competitive coaches i've ever been around all of our coaches hate losing but but butch is definitely someone that um, has a hunger inside of him where i've been in a meeting with him where you know just you know he was uh, not settled with uh, how the end of the season went one time and wanted to just look ahead already and turn the page to next year. And uh, the vision that he had, it was July, right? And college baseball starts in February. So this was nine months before his season started. And he he already had a vision of how the season was going to play out, what he wanted uh, to see in terms of the, the student engagement, what, a, you know, a great baseball atmosphere looked like to him. And lo and behold, that vision played out. And in June, we're in Omaha. And so, like, the fact that he's already thinking that way, you know, 12, 10 months in advance, uh, heading into the next season, I'm very grateful for everybody. I would say of all of our coaches, that's one of the things that I am I love about our coaching staff is, is all of our coaches are grateful about uh, the support that they give. They know that, you know, we may not have the salary that they have as support staff, but, you know, we have a passion. We do what we do because we are passionate about college athletics and to help their athletes be successful. And so I think all of our coaches are very appreciative of the time that we invest into their programs. And Butch definitely is in that category. So, yeah, I think definitely just that, that, hum- that humble uh, attitude, that hunger and that vision uh, as a leader is something that, you know, I could I could sit and listen to him tell stories and, you know, have a pep talk every every morning with him and I'd be I'd be all set. That's really good. Now, Dan, let's talk about a hot topic, not only at the collegiate level, but more and more at the high school level. And that's the topic of NIL. Now, I know that we are 
quickly moving down this road. Uh, but what have you learned as you look in the rearview mirror, even though that distance isn't that long? But like I said, we're we're flying, I think, at this moment. Uh, what's, when you look in the rearview mirror, what do you think you've learned there? And then when you look out the windshield, uh, where are we headed when it comes to NIL? Yeah, we so looking in the rearview mirror, I think we can't control what has happened in the past. But I think, you know, what, what we've realized is that, you know, what we if you're not clear, with your fans or with your your supporters on what you want them to do, uh, there's going to be a lot of confusion. It's already confusing. So I think with with uh, the the world that we're in right now is just getting to the chase and whether it's a collective or whether it's um, an exchange group or whatever the mechanism is to support your athletes, um, just letting your fans know uh, because it is confusing. There's multiple different terms different uh avenues to support your athletes and so um just getting to the point where you can clearly convey that message to your fans is something that um we've learned a lot about in the past year Uh, a lot of it was uh started with a state law a lot of it then turned into nca rules where now we're um you know moving into a world where you know we we are able to um through our multimedia rights holder this is going to be different than high school too but at our level, we have a, a third-party rights holder group that manages all of our sponsorships. As the third-party rights holder, they're able to enter a deal with our athletes collective to be able to work together. So we're entering a world now where our official collective, which our fans are able to support and uh, and be, you know, we want them connected with that collective. That group is uh, is able to uh, become a sponsor of our third party rights holder, which does business with Auburn Athletics. It's kind of confusing to talk about. The bottom line is is really with with us is we want to make sure that um, number one we're from our marketing world, and then really I talked a little bit about our video crew, our photo, our creative social media team. Uh, what, what we really pride ourselves on and control is is the brand building, the the personal brand of the athletes. So. Um, you know, my day to day, I'm not, you know, the one selling deals for these athletes. Uh, but what we're doing is making sure that, you know, if we have a photographer out at a practice, for example, or we have a, a video crew that's at a game, you know, within a few hours of the, the end of that game, our athletes through through a third party app called Influencer, they're able to go on and download these photos onto their phone. And uh, now they're taking the work of our creative group and they're able to tell their own personal story on their personal social media accounts. And so um, whether that's with a future NIL, uh, you know, prospect or if they're looking to go into the league to play competitively after college in a sport, they want to be able to show that personality on social media on and off the court. So from our creative team, we have the assets and the ability to to provide them with their own on the court practice and, and competition photos so they can uh, kind of convey that personality of what they want to look like and, you know, put on a really professional look with the photos and the videos that they're sharing. Uh, we all know that, you know, a nice professional photo looks a lot better than an iPhone picture or just a grainy picture that they ripped off of Google. So we want to make sure that our athletes have, you know, the top, you know, world-class photos and videos. Uh, we're also in a world now where, you know, coaches are definitely getting more involved. And again, our, we're not in the world. We're legally not able to mat, you know, in, do inducements or promise anything, but we are able to just provide direct information on in the past year, 
the, these are the amount of deals that our athletes have done. Um, you know, NIL is important. Here's how you can get involved. So we've done some video messages with our coaches to be able to kind of like a public service announcement, uh, get up in front of our fans at a football game on a video to say, Hey, you know, we need your support for name, image, and likeness. Um, so those are, that's the kind of world where we're starting to enter into more of our, of our coaches getting behind the message through our platforms. And then, um, there are ways too. I think there's some confusion with local businesses, like, like, how do I set up a deal? Do I DM, uh, tank Bigsby on Instagram? Do I DM, you know, Dylan Cardwell? How do I get a deal set up? We actually have a platform called, it's called the influencer exchange. Um, and it's a, it's on our website, um, where you can actually through our official website, click on a button and as a business, you can apply to, um, get approved for an NIL deal. So there is a little bit of an approval process, but, um, there's a, there's a way for you to get matched up with an athlete through a directory. And so just using our website, using our social media as a way to connect businesses to the athletes. That's really at the end of the day, what we're in the business of doing is connecting, uh, our fans and our donors to the teams even though we're not able to promise anything or, you know, be play matchmaker, we're just in the business of providing the information and the, the connection on how to support them. Yeah. I can't imagine the learning curve that's taken and the, uh, as Don said, the speed at which that's tra- uh, transpired, but it sounds like, I mean, you've said this multiple times, y'all are most interested in giving your kids the best experience. So, and you have that roster, of athletes and you are you're able to get that out uh make that available to the folks who want it so each and every kid can um capitalize and and experience the same thing as the most popular um athlete so that's really cool there so that's right hey one of the things you mentioned earlier was uh revenue generating strategies something you're involved with there What key strategies must athletic directors employ in order to successfully raise money, especially in capital campaigns? You know, I don't think capital campaign is a word that high schools use often, but there are big purchases. I mean, you have a new coach come in, they want to redo the locker room or, or whatever that may be. And, you know, they're, they're big purchase and maybe it's new turf or something like that. It seems to me the success that is tied uh, to those capital campaigns is, is tied into the first impression, the first publicity of the fundraising opportunity. What's the key in gaining immediate traction in a fundraising campaign? Yeah, I, I think for uh, for us, and I think this could also work at the high school level, is is uh, is making sure first of all that you know whether it's a coach or an athletics director that you've got that that wish list of ten things. So. Uh, there might be a certain time where you're going to launch a campaign, but in the kind of the private phase where you're talking to potential donors or people that you know in the community that might have the uh, capability to support that, you want to be prepared, even something in your iPhone notes to say, you know, you're having dinner with somebody and they're saying, hey, how how can I support you? When that opportunity comes about, you don't want to be guessing or fumbling through your phone and trying to remember what that project was. So at least being prepared with um you know, some loose numbers or a projected number. It doesn't even have to be a, you know, formal architecture project, but some kind of a, a, a baseline number on what it would cost to build that weight room or, or build that extra, you know, get that extra weight equipment uh, or that, you know, technology that's going to help, you know, your football team go to the next level. You know, you're going to want to know ballpark what that dollar amount is 
to be able to uh, have that have that uh, ready. But um, going into more of like a public launch and a public phase, I think it's really the storytelling of of um, kind of tugging on the heartstrings and telling the stories of those athletes that are currently on the program, currently on the team, and the future athletes of that program. So um, maybe a future prospect or a donor has a kid that's coming up in the ranks that's 10 years old or 12 years old that is a future member of that team. And, you know, what kind of facility would you want, you know, that, that kid to, to play in someday, or we've, you know, we've all played high school sports and just kind of telling the story more. That's at the end of the day, what we're doing a lot of times when we're talking about our marketing plans that we talked about earlier in our external and our video and photo team, those videos and you photo, that photos, you may not have an award-winning video team, but even just, you know, sitting an iPhone, a, a video message on your iPhone that you're posting on social media, giving a heartfelt message of why should you support this program? Uh, it's got to have, it's got to be a compelling reason. Um, so a lot of that's going to need to kind of spark some emotion. So we try to e- either have a video message from a coach or a video message from the athletics director that, that kind of gives the why behind the campaign. We've had a lot of success across the, the university with a, a tiger giving day. So sometimes you can go all in with a dedicated giving day that, you know, maybe it's a time of year with tax season that people are already in the mood of, of donating and philanthropically or, you know, supporting other projects. So that's, that's more of like a, a mass like marketing approach where it's it might be like $50 donations, hundred dollar donations, but going all in on one day a year has been successful for us to be able to, um, you know, have some items or, or fundraise for a project that we may not have been able to uh, in the past. I think everybody, you know, every college or high school in the country at every level has done a golf outing of some kind. So what is that kind of that next level of, you know, thinking outside the box of a golf outing, regardless of what it is, it's got to have low overhead, right? You got to make sure that you're putting on a fundraiser, putting on a campaign that's going to have very little to no cost associated with it, or it's, it's not going to be worth it. Uh, but if there is a little bit of cost, making sure that's something that's going to make a big return on that, uh, on that investment. I think that's really good. I mean, three things you said right there. I mean, first of all, know your numbers, right? right. Like, know what you want because you never know. I had a situation recently where we were trying to award, well, award a coach of the month, but not really sure what we wanted to do uh, outside of, you know, allowing the the coach to take his wife or her or her husband out to out to dinner, a nice dinner, right? They don't get to do that a lot during the season. Let them do that. Knowing kind of what I wanted to do, ended up having a conversation with a representative of the Braves. They go, "Listen, we got the whole battery down here. Why don't we just give them a hotel room and and dinner?" And you know, it just kind of just happened, right? Because awesome. I was able to go. Well, this is kind of what we're thinking. Not. Just in in passing, it wasn't like I was having a conversation with them to solicit that, and then they were able to to counter, you know, and say, "Listen, this is what we can do." And I was like, "Absolutely," but but knowing knowing your numbers, knowing what you want, being being able to articulate the why, and that idea about telling a story, I think is is great. And then the timing of it—that's something that I don't think anybody thinks about. Like, look at the time. Know business. Know the way that businesses work. Know the way that people work. Know when they got a little bit of extra change in their pocket, and 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 go for it then. You know, I think that that's, that is excellent. Now we've already talked about a lot of stuff that, uh, that we can learn at the high school level from you guys. Uh, is there anything else that you think that, that you would want to touch on that maybe 
we could learn from you guys? And then is there anything that you guys at, at that level could learn from, from high school athletics? Yeah, I think from, from, uh, from where we sit, I think that, uh, I think that it would be important for everyone to know just how, just how hard working that our administrative staff is. I think that in the news and the media cycle, you read a lot about, you know, the, the big name coaches in the industry. Um, but there's, there are people at every level of every sport, uh, you, you know, whether it's an athletic trainer, uh, whether it's the event management groups, the, the, the people that are doing the behind the, the behind the scenes work uh, where a lot of these profile, high profile coaches um, are the ones that are bringing the millions of dollars, but just the average uh, Jimmy's and Joe's and Jane's like myself that are, uh, you know, the ones that come to work every day, just with that blue collar attitude that, that love what you do. It's just, uh, there's probably a lot more similarities than people think, uh, especially um, in maybe some of the higher division uh, athletics with high school and uh, in college and just um, doing it for the love of the game. And uh, I think also to um, our families, those are probably the unsung heroes that, that never get talked about that, that I always try to really make sure that, you know, my wife, Courtney is the one getting the accolades and we have a two-year-old at home. And so, you know, this stretch of five home games in a row to start off the season, uh, they're the ones that actually probably take on the most work out of anybody. So, um, and then, you know, we all have everybody here, you know, whether it's a family at home, some, some of us are, you know, thousands of miles away from, you know, parents and other extended family. So um, wouldn't do it if we didn't love the game, uh, didn't love sports, but um, really wouldn't be able to be where we're at either without that support system. And so just really appreciate uh, those who help us achieve our dreams and that are kind of right along with us. We, we do it as a family. I think that's, you have to um, do that with, uh, you know, when you have a wife and uh, a son is, uh, you know, people ask a lot about work-life balance. You know, that is not really a word that we use. Like, right. what, what does that even mean? Um, so not the best at that, honestly. So we try to kind of find those times where, you know, family time to us might be, eating a hot dog or a bag of popcorn at a soccer match. And that's, that's our, that's our family time. I mean, you guys know that. Um, so uh, very similar at the college level and just uh, have a, have a lot of people that love what they do. And um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without our, our uh, support system at home, whatever that looks like. Um, I think from our end of things, I think it would be really interesting for a college and high school leaders to really come together to, uh, learn more about what are what are some of the ways that that you guys are um, developing your coaches. I think that's that's something interesting. Is like, you know, there's a lot of programming at the college level, um, but you guys I think do a really good job of making sure that you're there. You know, your coaches are not there. That's your head football coach might be a math teacher. Um, so, what are some ways that you guys are balancing their schedules to make sure that they're um, putting on, uh, you know, the best foot forward in their classroom, but also for their team. Um, performance management, how are you guys um, managing or evaluating a coach or, um, you know, especially in a high-profile sport, if, if the job's just not getting done? I think in college we talk about that a lot where there's a knee-jerk reaction to make a change. You know, how, how does that happen at the, college, at the high school level? Uh, where, you know, you, it might be a, a, a math teacher or history teacher that, it's not just, you know, making a change at the head football coach level. So right. that's something I've been interested in is how, you know, how do you make a change on the coaching world uh, if you had to do that? 
in the, in the high school realm. That's good stuff. Yeah. I think we're all trying to figure that out too. I mean, it's a, uh, especially when you start making changes, man, that's tough uh, at any level. Cause you're dealing with people. Right. So yep. um, yeah. So that's really tough. Hey, Dan, one last question, uh, something you um, commented on in another uh, article we've read. And I'm just curious, cause I, I think y'all probably use this more than we do. And once again, it gets back to some time management that maybe y'all have a, a little more time dedicated toward this. I'm not going to say you have more time uh, because that wouldn't be fair uh, by no means, but maybe you just dedicate more time to this. Uh, it's Google Analytics. How does it work? What all is it applied to? How can it be used to enhance our athletic department? And is there some way we can use it where it doesn't add hours to our AD job? Yeah, really for us, it's um, especially we use it a lot for sports that are ticketed. And we just found, you know, really over the last 10 years, but especially the last six years, more people were buying tickets on their phone, for example, than they were coming up to the box office on game day. So the reason why I'm able to tell you that is because of Google Analytics. So Google Analytics really is giving a snapshot and giving you tons of numbers and data and information It's as a free service. That's the great part about it for high school ADs is it's a free service. The time value is really what is, is going to be a challenge for the high school ADs is it can be a rabbit hole of information. Uh, maybe you have a student that is uh, really in the world of analytics or loves numbers, loves math, wants to dive into spreadsheets would be a great, you know, entry level job to get a, a student to job shadow you or uh, maybe a college, you know, student that wants to job shadow or intern you with you. Um, but anything that's a, a clickable link. So if you go to, you know, the homepage right now, for example, auburntigers.com, there's an ad at the top of the page that talks about buying homecoming tickets. When you click on that link, and let's say you end up buying buying that ticket, Google Analytics will tell you what type of phone or what type of device that the purchase came from, uh, what time of day was the transaction made, was the transaction made uh, in what zip code was it in Georgia? Was it Alabama? So really, for us, it's trying to find out who are our fans, like where are they uh, coming in? What are their behaviors? How are they finding out about tickets? How are they uh, finding out about? Or it's not just uh, ticket revenue either. It's just time on the website. How are they getting to our website? When they're on our website, how much time are they spending on each page? Which page is getting the most clicks? Um, so from our like graphics team and our creative team, we're able to actually create a graphic or write a certain story based off of what the numbers tell us. Hmm. Like, hey, that that story got five clicks. Like, let's not waste our time on doing that story. Or we're seeing a trend where you know, it's not it's not uh, working to send emails at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. You know, we would never do that because the, the numbers tell us that, you know, through Google Analytics, that that's the worst time to send an email and you're going to get the worst open rates on an email on a Sunday morning at 7 a.m. So it's really all just the basically the, the, the behavior of our fans, the digital footprint of who our fans are. So if and if, and if, if any of you as high school ladies have online ticket sales, I know that's also sometimes difficult, but if it doesn't have to be even ticket sales, but more on the lines of website activity. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we do, we do the, the uh, digital ticket sales for real, uh, for sure. And, and I think our vendor has talked about 
using Google Analytics, but I've never jumped right in. So that, that's really good stuff there. And um, yeah, look forward to it. I, I really am anxious. I'm resisting the urge to jump over here on my other screen and start trying to dive in right now because I, I, I chased that rabbit, as you said there. So that's good. Good deal. Now, Dan, we're going to uh, go ahead and, and transition into our two-minute drill. So we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to just tell us first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Love it. Let's do it. All right. What was the first job you ever had ever? Delivering newspapers. All right. If you could pick two movies for a double feature, what would they be? Oh, wow. Uh, it's going to be two sports movies. Shocker. <laughs> uh, number one would be Rudy. Number two would be Sandlot. Oh, nice. Uh, well played, sir. Now, don't tell me that you don't have one of these, but what is in your junk drawer at your house? Oh, a lot of random size batteries, AAA batteries, AA batteries, random stuff like that. That's a good answer because I thought you were going to say junk. <laughs> That's what I would have said. All right, now uh, this is this is right up your alley, I think. There um, at Auburn, great Southern College football place. What is an underrated tailgate food? And, and I might have shortchanged it. It you know it might be tailgating for all sports. I probably shouldn't have just included football there. Underrated tailgate food. Wow, um, this might be more regional. I don't I don't know the geographical region of this, but. I mean, Arizona. This is big. I know, maybe not as big here, but I, I got. I'm going with a, like a good Rotel, like cheese sauce with like some nice like spicy jalapenos, some tomato, a good like queso with some tortilla chips. Can't go wrong. Good deal. All right, let's play a little game of over under. Right. So these are things that you think are overrated or underrated. So we'll right. say we'll say what it is. You say over under. So over under professional wrestling. Uh, overrated. All right. What about HGTV? HGTV. Oh, wow. I need to be careful because my wife is going to watch this. Un- <laughs> underrated. There you go. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, business decision right there. Uh, over, under, late night talk shows. Uh, overrated. All right. Last one. Try to stay out of trouble with the Auburn folks here. Noon kickoffs are in your world 11 a.m. Central kickoffs. Uh, underrated, honestly, um, and probably uh, selfishly more than anything. For for us as uh, staff members, we get to see our families uh, after the game. So um, I think a lot of uh, the media would agree with that too. But after 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., you get to have a dinner uh, on Saturday with your family, which, which is a nice perk. All right, good deal. Give us a broadcaster that you would listen to even if you aren't a fan of either team on the field. So if this person's calling the game, you're listening. Uh, well, I wish I could go back in time and have this be someone that's alive or, or who's passed on. If you would have talked to me, you know, three or four months ago or a year ago, I would have sent Vin Scully. Yep. I mean, one of my favorite iconic. Yeah, sure. Guys. But just let, let's just go for the Auburn brand and say Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. That's good. That's my safe answer. That's a good answer to both of them. All right, who do you text the most outside of your immediate family? My boss, Evan Beck. Good answer. Uh, all right, if we're coming to your house for dinner, what's on the menu? What are we having? 
Oh, wow. We're gonna have, uh, we're gonna put on a good, we're gonna get out the grill. We're gonna smoke something. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a nice side. Good casserole. My, my wife is a Montgomery native. So I met her when I moved here, uh, uh four years ago. So I have a whole new appreciation for a good, good old fashioned Southern, uh, casserole. So you're gonna need some good old down home meeting three. That's good. Sounds good. When I come back through, I'm stopping. Anytime. All right, uh, let's finish with this, our trademark question. Today, Dan Heck, you've been hanging with the ADs, but let's say you could hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? I love history. I love, uh, you know, anything that has to do with American history. Um, and when I got to Auburn, had appreciation of all different kinds of Auburn history. He actually happens to be an Auburn, an AD, former AD, but David Housel uh, used to be an AD at Auburn, and uh, he's a friend of mine. I could sit and talk to him for hours just about American history and Auburn history. One of the most uh, intelligent people I've ever met. Uh, if you read any of his writing, you can see why you'd want to sit and talk to him, but just has a great appreciation for just uh, perspective of the world of American history, but also kind of our resident Auburn historian. Yeah, that's good. Very unique. I think uh, I, I've heard I've heard that as well, that he's uh, like a walking library of history there. So Indeed. that's really cool. So, uh, you didn't say Charles Barkley sitting back there in your, in your backdrop, but uh, I think you answered that one correctly for sure. Yeah, no, that's good. Dan, we appreciate the time today. It's always great to get a collegiate perspective and see how we can adapt what all you all do and, and make it work for us at the high school level. So thanks again for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, honored to be here. And uh, if anyone ever has any other questions, feel free to reach out anytime. It was a great time to catch up with Mr. Dan Heck, Marketing and Fan Engagement Assistant AD at Auburn University. He gave us some very practical ways that we can enhance our athletic department, regardless of what level we are leading at. You know, I thought what he talked about, about the grassroots marketing, uh, word of mouth marketing was very important. A lot of times we want to try to get too fancy. We want to try to be big time like the, the, uh, the Power Five conferences or the NFL or other professional leagues. But uh, as Dan said, a lot of times grassroots marketing is the way to go. And they even do this at the Division I collegiate level. So I think uh, when it comes to marketing our brand and our athletic department, going back to the grassroots, word of mouth is probably a great way to do it. Secondly, I thought that probably the most practical implementation that we could use here from Dan's uh, conversation was his idea of organizing our student sections, our student leader groups into a club, giving them purpose, giving them value, having weekly meetings, having committees that could attack different sports throughout the school year. Uh, really, really was uh, good, practical advice for us. And I look forward to implementing that here at Pope as we develop a student leader organization there. And then finally, just listening to him talk about how they market uh, different aspects at the collegiate level, whether it's NIL, whether it's using Google Analytics, uh, generating strategies to raise money, all those different aspects of what goes into leading a 
an athletic department and how to market those different aspects was uh, really, really practical. And we appreciate Mr. Dan Heck joining us and sharing some of the professional ways to market your athletic department and create fan engagement. So Dan, thanks for joining us and we appreciate you very much. Now, as we request each and every episode, we would love for you to click that uh, star rating at the bottom. Uh, When you finish this episode, give us a rating. Maybe if you have a couple extra minutes, give us a review. We'd love to hear from you, find out where you're listening from, what you think about this podcast. So if you're on Apple, just leave us a little review there. We'll get it, and we'd love to mention it on air and let other folks know who is listening to our podcast. And as always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD. Mm -hmm.